as I was praying about today's message, I felt the Holy Spirit give me a topic that is not the topic that's going to be shouted down. There's not going to be perhaps a lot of amens, and that's okay with me. But um, as we're talking about the vision that God wants to do, there's an important part that each of us has to play in that vision. And let me just say, if you have not seen this or read this, they're out there on the counter, on the table. And um, I want to encourage you to read it and perhaps reread it. There's a lot there. But let me, let me say something to you. This is not something that the elders came up with. It's not something that we brainstormed. But it, rather, it's something that we've prayed about, we've discussed, we've sought the face of God for this house. For this house. This is not necessarily for some other house, but this is for us, both in the room and watching over the internet. And if you've ever been to the doctor's office and you saw the skeleton standing in the corner, or maybe you were in science class and skeleton Steve was standing like over there, out of the way. There wasn't much to him, was there? But it's as ligaments and tissues and muscles come onto the bones, that's what holds it together. You see that skeleton in the corner, and then you go to the gym or you walk the lake or you go in Walmart and you see a guy with muscles and he obviously spends hours of time working out. It's the same skeleton. Something has been put on that skeleton. And I believe that this is a skeleton. That God will put on the tissue. He'll put on the muscle. He'll put on the mass. He'll add revelation to it. He will do the things that he needs to do in order to accomplish his vision. So to come in here this morning and see our altars full and ministry taking place doesn't surprise me a bit. Because he's putting tissue on the bone. He's putting ligaments that will hold the bones together. He's doing that inside of you. And it's each one of us, as we do what God tells us to do, this gets fulfilled. This comes to pass. This is pleasing to him. That's all we want, is to be pleasing to him. 
In that brochure, we talk about a community where Jesus fills all things with himself, a community where he's the center, where his presence is priority to each one of us. I felt in the room this morning that there during our time of worship that there was hesitance because people were too focused maybe on their circumstances or different aspects of their life. Problems. Can I encourage you today, make him your priority. Make sure that your joy comes from just being in his presence. Where our fulfillment and our satisfaction comes from being in the room. Quote, being in the room with him. And allowing him to work in each one of us so that he is pleased as we are made in his likeness. Our vision is for a community where people can express their deposits of grace to help build the church. We've been meeting with our young adults the last several days and weeks, making some adjustments. Our young adults will be part of us, our community. They will help add their grace to build the church. And all the adults are excited about that, aren't we? And all of the young adults are excited about that, aren't we? Where we demonstrate love for each other, considering others to be more important than ourselves. This can only be accomplished as we make him priority and be committed to do what he wants done and be willing to sacrifice everything. Willing to sacrifice everything. That's the title of my message today. Willing. Willing to give him whatever he wants. This word sacrifice, we all read it in scripture. We understand, but for those maybe who are just trying to get a context here, it's an offering up. It's a surrender. It's a giving up to him. Many times in world religions, we see this. We saw it in the Old Testament where sacrifices would be made for sins. Except in other world religions, the, I, can I tell you those sacrifices have no value and no meaning. We, talk, we sang today about gods who have ears and eyes and all of that. Can I tell you the gods of this world, they have that, they've... They've carved images, made gods out of, but their gods have mouths but do not speak. Whereas our God has a mouth and he does speak. 
their God has ears, doesn't hear, doesn't listen to them, but ours does. Everything should be sacrificed that stands in the way of God getting what he wants. We've got to come to a place as a community where we are willing to sacrifice absolutely everything for the will of God. All of our great ideas, all of our personal desires and what we want to accomplish in life, our ways of doing things, all of our ambitions, all of our successes, all of that. We have to be willing to sacrifice it. Let me illustrate it with this passage in Matthew 16. I know you guys are very familiar with it. Have you ever noticed that in Scripture there are certain sayings of Jesus that you're like, that's really hard. Did he really say that? Did he, did he really mean that? Let me illustrate it this way. We all know that in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples about how that he's going to um, go and be killed and that he's going to be raised on the third day. This wasn't new. This wasn't news to them. But he's telling them about it. And he's telling them that he's going to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins which is the will of God. How many of you would say that is the will of God? That's what God designed. That's the way he set it up. That's what he wanted to do. That's why Jesus came. But then in verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. It shall never happen to you. First of all, Peter rebukes Jesus. Peter is actually going against the will of God. How many times have you and I rebuked Jesus? God, I got this situation. I need you to work it out. I need Susie Q to call John and then call me, which then will give me the answer. And don't forget to put the 100 bucks in the mailbox today. And I will praise you forever and ever. Amen. You rebuked the will of God. Now, is God capable of doing that? Absolutely. Should we believe God to answer us when we pray? Absolutely. Should we believe in faith? Absolutely. But what if he has a different way of answering you? What if he has a different way of taking out of you what's not pleasing to him and putting inside of you? What is? What if your way is to come down and get hands laid on you and think that your addiction will be gone 
when God has a different way. Now, we'll lay hands on you and we'll believe God for you, but we want God to have his will. How many times have we rebuked Jesus? And then in 23, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. Because you're not setting your mind on the interests of God, but on the interests of man. Now, Peter meant well. He didn't want to see Jesus die, suffer. But here it is right here where the things of God, the will of God, super exceed our thoughts and our wills says Peter's mind was not was on man's interest and not the interest of God. And then verse 24 if anyone wishes to come after me he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me. Interesting those words. Deny yourself. That's to give up your way. To sacrifice to completely reject and disown your life. Then he goes on to say, take up his cross. I love the Orthodox Jewish Bible. It calls it a tree of self-sacrifice. Take up your cross and then follow me. That means to continually surrender to God's ways. That's a walking out process. That's not coming to the altar and asking him into your heart one day and that's the end of it. No, it's following him. It's actually doing what he says that he wants done in your life. Where his will super exceeds yours. Sacrifice. Not a pleasant topic to discuss by any means because it kills our flesh. Let me give you two examples here. The independence of the Congo, which is a country in Africa in 1960, triggered worldwide attention with its revolutions, atrocities, and hostilities towards foreigners. Both Protestants and Catholics suffered. Several Pentecostals were slain by the rebels. A man named J.W. Tucker, he was a veteran missionary who returned to the Congo after the uprising began, aware of the risks that would involve him and his family. After weeks of house arrest with his wife, Angeline, and his three children, Tucker was finally taken into custody and held with other hostages at a Catholic mission. Fearing an attack by Americans and Belgium paratroopers, the rebels hardened their attitude towards the hostages. Angeline Tucker received the news that of her husband's death when she called the mission and asked about his welfare. The nun who answered her said, He is in heaven. He had been clubbed to death 
and his body later thrown to the crocodile-infested river. His wife and children, along with other missionaries, were rescued shortly after by a combined effort of those Americans and Belgians called a rescue operation. A later missionary, Daryl Sturgeon, reported on the spiritual fallout. Listen to this. According to a convert of Tucker's, he told members of the Mangbuti tribe. This was a tribe that was unresponsive to the gospel. But he told them of the missionary. And he said, quote, how the missionary had been thrown into their river and his blood had flowed through their waters, unquote. Stung by the significance of this happening, the Holy Spirit used this belief in the Mangbetu culture, which considers lands and rivers where they live to be theirs personally. Now they must listen to the message of the one who had been thrown into their waters. This proved to be the key to their hearts. A great revival began and thousands were saved, hundreds were healed, and even some were raised from the dead. In regard to the tragic loss of J.W. Tucker, Sturgeon remarked, and I quote, a waste Hardly. Commitment may appear to have a high price tag, but only eternity will tell the rest of the story. Sacrifice. Let me read another passage of scripture about sacrifice in Genesis 22. We all know this story. Where God said to Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and go to Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. We all know the backstory of Abraham and Sarah and how they had a promise of many children and how the promise was, quote, delayed. But now moving forward to where we are in this passage, he has a son, an only son, and one that he loved tremendously. Can you imagine? And so Abraham rose up early in the morning and he saddled the donkeys and took two young men with him and Isaac. He took wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went looking for that place. Then on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Three days. Put yourself in his shoes. Being asked by God to do something, talk about sacrifice. Didn't hesitate, got up the next morning. But then three days walking. Wouldn't you and I have had conversation with God about this one? 
And Abraham said to the two young men, stay here with the donkeys. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And so Abraham took the wood, laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire and he took the knife. And they both went together. And Isaac said to Abraham, Behold, we've got the fire and we've got the wood, but where is the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide a lamb himself. And when they got to the place, Abraham built the altar. He laid the wood in order and bound Isaac and placed him on the altar. And he took the knife, and the angel of the Lord said to him, Abraham, Abraham, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. It was in the action of obeying the will of God that demonstrated to God that Abraham was more interested, had a, such a high priority to do the will of God. It was in his willingness. It was in his willingness not to the last moment. How many of us would have put roadblocks up before we got to that last moment? We'd have questioned. We'd have debated. We'd have twisted some thinking. Did he really mean that? I don't think so. But we don't see that here. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket, and he took that ram and offered that. And Abraham called this place Jehovah-Jireh, where God provides. You see, sometimes your sacrifice will require your physical life, as it did with Tucker. And other times it won't, like with Isaac. But it will always require a willingness to surrender all. It'll always, always require. I've had people say to me, oh, I just, I just don't want to pray for God's will because I'm afraid he's going to send me to Africa. It may. But it may not. He may ask you to do something just to see if you're willing to obey him. It will always require a willingness to surrender all. Surrendering all of your plans, all of your ways, and even giving up those things you hold dear. David put it this way in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Knowing my heart. Heart is your treasure. 
heart is the things that you love, the things you value. I ask you, are you willing to sacrifice those things that have tremendous value? And then he said, know my thoughts. Are the things that I'm thinking about pleasing in your sight? Are they good thoughts or are they evil and wicked? Are they thoughts that are filled with doubt or are they filled with faith? Do you find yourself worrying about things that you're going to do and not about what God's going to do about it? Then he goes on to say, see if there be any wicked way in me. That's anything that's offensive to the ways of God or to his will. Evil. You say in church? Yeah, in church. I'm saying evil. Where our ways are influenced by the devil. It's real simple. We don't have to argue about a list of sins. One simple question, does it please God? Well, I don't think, well, no, just does it please God or not? And then he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. One translation says, the road to eternal life. That's what David wanted. He wanted to do the things that pleased God, that brought him eternal life. You see, the heart, the thoughts, and the ways. The heart, the thoughts, and the ways. It's amazing how these, are, these three are connected. Let me give you some examples. If you have lust in your heart, it connects to perversion of the mind, which then connects to ways that have devastating consequences. I counsel with people all the time. An affair starts with a lust in the heart, goes to thoughts of perversion, and has devastating consequences. How about if we have rebellion in our heart, let's say to our parents or authorities, it connects to thoughts that we don't have to respect those in authority, which then connects to ways of lawlessness. How many of you have been watching TV the last several weeks? If you have a critical spirit in your heart, it connects to thoughts that things are never good enough, which connects to a destruction of relationship. Whether it be in marriage or friendship. I had a friend several years ago who had a critical spirit, which moved to it was never good enough and ultimately destroyed my relationship with him altogether I warned him I pleaded with him I said please don't see it that way please don't take it that way please don't get offended that way 
Because the devil, he just doesn't deal with the individual. He wrecks everything. Wrecks the marriage. Wrecks the finances. Wrecks the ministry. Wrecks your health. Wrecks relationships. If you allowed pride in your heart, it connects to thinking that you're better than others, which then connects to racism. And I'm not just talking about racism against black people. I can say black people. I'm allowed to. Don't get offended with me. Being raised in Africa, I love black people. African Americans now. But the originals, I love the originals. How about that? But racism is not just against black people. Are you kidding me? When we look down on other people, when we think that we're better or above others and that others are below us, it's called pride. The Bible says this in Romans 12, in honor prefer one another. In Philippians 2 it says, but in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than yourself. And then in Romans 12 again, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. See, our desire to see covenant community here at Hot FM will be measured by our willingness to sacrifice. How much are you willing to surrender your will in exchange for his will? I'm talking all of your routines and lifestyles. I'm talking about all of your thoughts. I'm talking about all of your time. All of your strength. All of your attitudes. Will you surrender those to him? All of your words. Words that come out of your mouth. Can you surrender your language, your speech? To him? Well, this is just the way that I talk. Well, don't talk that way. It's not pleasing to God. All of your heart, those things that you value. In Psalms 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We love that. But then it goes on to say, according to the power that works within you. It's a conditional promise. The power is the Holy Spirit in submitting to him, surrendering to him. The Holy Spirit wants to work within us. But in order for that to happen, we've got to be willing to yield our all. The degree that the Holy Spirit moves here at Hot FM will be determined by our surrender to the Holy Spirit and our willingness to sacrifice. We need to sacrifice everything that causes us not to be. We talked about things 
to sacrifice, but let me flip it over. We need to be willing to sacrifice everything that causes us not to be forgiving. Not to be friendly or pleasant to be around. You know, do you know anybody who's not pleasant to be with? We can laugh with hesitation and introspection. Anything that causes us not to be helpful, whether in the church or at home, are you helpful? Or caring, taking a meal to somebody. How about this? Being a good listener. God wants you to be a good listener. I know you probably never heard that spoken from the pulpit. A good listener. A person of prayer. What is it that prevents you from praying as you ought? Or using your gifts and talents. Last week, or the week before, they were doing VBS over there, and there was a bunch of people that volunteered, and I know you're in the room, and, and uh, I can tell you that John and Leah so appreciate that, but... We were there, and we were out back, and the horse was out there. And the horse was giving rides to a group of people. They had them divided up in classes. And so um, I can't remember if this was the night the horse was there, that they rode the horse, or um, the, buggy, the, the pony and buggy was there. But Dennis DeSmith had his banjo. And Dennis would tell you that he's not a good banjo player. That's what he would tell you. But while everyone was sitting around, the children were sitting around, and someone was on the horse or in the buggy and going around the circle, and everyone was sitting waiting for their turn, the children got a little antsy. You know, I mean, how much can you take of just seeing your friend go around on the horse? <laughs> Knowing that you're, you could be next. So they were fidgety and all that. Next thing I know, Dennis gets up with his banjo, just walks right out into the middle and says, we're all going to sing this song together. Oh, McDonald had a farm. And everybody started joining in. And he was using his gift that he would say is not a good gift or a, or a professional gift yet. But he was using it in VBS. And I know there'd be an individual watching over the internet, not in this room, that would say, well, that's silly. I would disagree with you. He's using his talent at VBS, helping to maintain the attention of these young people while they were waiting for their turn on the horse. I think it's awesome. And he had everyone's attention. In fact, I looked around and some of the adults were singing along with him. 
but things that get in the way. Don't let anger or hatred get in the way of the will of God for your life. Or stinginess. Never be a stingy person. Always be a generous person. You say, well, I don't have a lot of money. I'm not talking about money. I mean, we can talk about money, but I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about being a generous person with everything that you do. The question is before us, what are you willing to put on the altar in sacrifice in order to have covenant community here? I pray that our answer is anything and everything that he asks of us. May we be willing to be a people deeply jealous with the words of the Father. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads before we get into communion. I know that what I said today is not a popular thing. It's definitely not popular in the American church. The topic of being willing to sacrifice, surrendering all from the little things to things that are of value. I know. Nobody likes to load up the wood and take the fire and a knife and go sacrifice what is valuable to you, giving it up. But I believe that this is what God is requiring. He's requiring our willingness to sacrifice in order for his will to be accomplished here. And I believe that it is his will for covenant community. We will never be a community in covenant without our willingness to sacrifice and our willingness to say, God, I'll give it all to you, whatever you want me to do in my personal life, in our corporate life. I'll give it all to you. I find it interesting that we're about to take communion. The greatest sacrifice, demonstration of sacrifice ever known. That a man would give up his life for the sins of the whole world. That's amazing. That is amazing. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us so much that God gave his only begotten son for the sins of the world because God wanted to be close to us. He didn't want to be separated, separated by sin. So in the garden we have God walking through but then sin came and God didn't settle for that either. He said, 
I'll send my son to die for their sins so that in all of eternity we'll be together. That's how much you mean to him. And today we're talking about our willingness to sacrifice and give up something for him. God help us. Father, I ask you today, I pray that you would take my simple words and bring revelation and shoot them deep into the hearts of your people. I pray, oh God, first of all, I ask you for forgiveness of not placing you as our priority. Of living our life day to day, even coming into this room and singing songs that to us had no meaning or value. God, would you help us to see the importance of making you our priority? Would you help us to do that reasonable service, that reasonable thing? Yes. We must. Surrender willingly. God, I think about those who did and have lost their life, willing to give it all. I know many of them personally who gave their life after much persecution and torture. And yet we're gathered in here and it was not asked of us. It was not required of us, at least yet, to give our life for the gospel. But would you instill within each of us the willingness and the determination and the passion and desire to be willing to hand it over to you without reservation. Without compromise, without twisted thinking or interpreting it the wrong way, even arguing with you and rebuking you, saying you didn't really mean that, did you? God, may our hearts be positioned in such a way, willing to surrender it all to you. Number one, because you deserve it. And number two, because there's a world who needs to see it and be swept into the kingdom of God. I ask you now, adjust my heart. Tweak it. Get rid of anything that isn't pleasing to you. May we live our lives pleasing before you and honor your name, for you are holy.
pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.